Have you checked out VanillaSoft? It's a sales engagement platform, but what does that mean, right? Well, it means that you can stop your sales reps from cherry picking leads. It means they'll make more than just two or three contact attempts. It means you could potentially triple your sales pipeline. Check it out at VanillaSoft.com. Tenbound, the world's leading research and advisory firm 100% focused and dedicated to sales development, is now announcing the Tenbound Sales Development Conference 2020. This year, we'll welcome over 750 of the top minds in sales development to two major conferences, the New York City Leadership Conference on June 18th and the San Francisco Multitrack Conference on August 17th. Join us at both and learn from the best in sales development in these one-day experiences. Gain the latest intelligence from the 10-bound analyst team, unparalleled training opportunities, and networking with the leaders in our industry at the 10-Bound Sales Development Conference 2020. Go to 10bound.com slash conference to learn more. That's 10bound.com slash conference. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am Dave Delaney, your host today, back with another amazing guest. This is someone who I've been trying to get on the show for a while, Raheem Fazal, CEO and co-founder of SV Academy. What's going on, Raheem? Hey, how's it going? It's so good to finally be here. Yes. You know, I've been really, (laughs) really interested in this space for a while because the different factors that are taking place right now, you know, in our economy and in the sales development community, you are right at the center of this. Mm -hmm. I love what you're doing. I'm not going to go crazy here, but I love what you're doing. I want to hear all about it. If folks didn't meet you at the conference or they haven't enrolled yet for SV Academy, tell us about how you got into this and you know the mission of the program. Yeah, well, I know in the pre-call you were asking about my background and it's probably a fun place to start. I grew up in government housing the first 12 years of my life and pretty unconventional background in that while I worked a lot of retail and service, I also had the pleasure, good pleasure of working in McDonald's. And one of the highlights of that journey was also getting fired very quickly from McDonald's, which taught me a ton of lessons and gave me a ton of embarrassment because once you get fired from McDonald's, it's very hard to get hired by anybody else in your community. So that's really what led me into the tech industry where my friend and I, we started you know, a little company, a web hosting company while we were in high school, didn't tell anybody about it, didn't tell our parents about it. It was sort of a project that we had on the side. And it turned into something well beyond our expectations where in a couple of years, we ended up selling the company for a couple of million dollars before graduating from high school. And that completely changed my life. I mean, coming from a background where there were, you know, didn't have a lot of resources, didn't really have a strong idea about what I wanted to do in the world, what my place was, didn't have a strong you know, system of mentors and coaches and so on in my life all of a sudden this catapulted me into a world, into the adult world, where I had to very quickly figure out, you know, what my place was going to be. And, you know, as a non-coder, what I was bringing to the table was my human-centered skills, specifically sales. I was the one, you know, starting the companies who was also, you know, raising the money and finding the first reference customers and hiring all of the talent and so on. And I sort of, after high school, did this a couple of times. Some of my startups, they all were enterprise, marketing tech, SaaS. Some of them didn't work. I ended up ultimately foregoing kind of a traditional college experience. I don't have an undergrad degree. I 
instead started this company called Involver, which was enterprise social media marketing software back when Facebook was getting big, helping to bring brands on the platform. And it sort of took off and ultimately sold it to Oracle, worked there for three years in, in the sales and product development organizations before meeting my now co-founder, who has an equally impressive background in starting SV Academy. This is amazing. So I want to talk about SV Academy because it's an amazing okay. organization, but you were fired from McDonald's. And so, you know, that was a great opportunity. You had a great opportunity there to really, you know, get in, you could work your way up the organization and everything. And then you got fired. And then how did it go from being crushed by such a traumatic experience to then starting this company? I mean, what, what was the transition there? Well, it's interesting when you have a lack of opportunity, the type of sort of creativity and sort of innovative thinking that emerges in that vacuum. For myself, it was clear that I wasn't going to find a job in a similar company. I both didn't like it very much, but more so than that, as I said, getting fired from it really sort of shook my confidence. And so... Around this period of time, my childhood friend and I were beginning to see a lot of people who weren't that much older than us on the front cover of magazines and newspapers and blogs and so on, starting companies and being part of that initial big wave here in the Valley and sort of the tech system more broadly, and just saying to ourselves, well, why can't we do something as well? And it turned out that for pocket money, after McDonald's, I started helping you know, family members and friends of family and so on set up websites and, you know, get their web hosting or their email, their domains, their pages designed, etc. Just sort of helping out for some extra cash. And that evolved into an idea where, well, why can't we do this for more people? And what if we were to build something that could automate some of the more administrative stuff? And, you know, slowly, slowly, this turned into this vision of this small little web hosting company where small businesses could come sign up, get a free email address, free you know, web page. We'd charge a subscription or monetize through ads like a lot of people did at that point. And it just sort of grew 25,000 customers in a couple of years without anyone really knowing about it or spending any money on actual advertising, just all grassroots guerrilla marketing. And the more we grew it, the more you know, we would learn about the market and the opportunities out there and the fact that we built confidence, you know, rebuilt the confidence, like, okay, we could actually do something. People do value us. Although I will say there was always this hesitation about being really transparent about who we were. We thought that as two young brown kids, if customers found out they were trusting their online business to, to us, they'd freak out. So we ended up doing things like, you know, when we answered customer service calls, we'd use different names. And for our office address, we just... This is Bob Jones. Yeah, basically. Well, the funny, I'll tell you, one of the funniest parts of that story is I used to use names like Bob Jones because I thought that's what people wanted to hear until I ran out of white male names to use. And I ended up having to use the name Hilda in a very high-pitched voice on the phone one day and keep that name the entire call while I'm troubleshooting this person's website because I was so freaked out <laughs> that they would oh, drop man. their subscription with us. And we set up like a, a real office address, but it was actually a post office box in the mall. And we had some customers call to say that they were at our office, but they were actually <laughs> standing outside 
the post office and they wondered if we had moved or, you know, had they had the wrong address or whatnot, but obviously they did. It was just that we had a little post office box over there we used to go to to pick up our checks. <laughs> it's crazy. It's That's like hilarious. You, do, you know, it's like the things it's like that, an avatar, you know, you oh know, my God. And then did you get to the point where you're like, you know what, we can do this and be ourselves or take a, a while to get over that? It took a long time. Once we had some success with that web hosting company, it most definitely allowed us to be very proud being in our own skin and you know, looking a little different than others. But I'd say it, it took an even longer time to feel like fully proud of you know, where I came from you know, that, that sort of unconventional career path, et cetera, for example, not going to college or the fact that I was fired from McDonald's. Like it took some time to feel really, truly in my own skin about that and seeing sort of the, the upsides of those parts of my life because the reality is there's so much elitism that we experience in tech. I think everyone listening has probably experienced it in, in one way or the other. I think a lot of sales professionals identify with an unconventional path and we often feel like we've been lucky. Somewhere along the road, someone's believed in us along with some type of serendipity, some type of luck we might call it, that propelled us into this career and it just happens that we're continued beneficiaries of that good luck as well as very hard work. And here we are now in positions of power and responsibility. And a big question for my co-founder and I was, well, now that we're here, what are we going to do about it? Exactly. And it's really interesting that the market kind of decides based on the value you know that you're bringing. And that's what's cool about business is if you're producing something that the market decides is valuable, then the money comes in and all of a sudden... That's right. Like all the elitism and the prejudice and the color and, you know, there's ageism that's very rampant in Silicon Valley and all that stuff just flows away because it's like the money's coming in and now we can call the shots. And that's right. It's a great, great thing. And people don't talk about it that much, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like when you have made it over the hump, when you have broken in, as I did as well, tried to sort of hide the fact that we hacked our way through the system. And because it is a melting pot and we want to fit in and we want to feel like we belong. And so even I just think about the way I thought about my personal brand or what you find on my LinkedIn profile. As I was coming up in my career, I was very intentional about highlighting the aspects of my story that I knew would resonate with the largest number of people who I wanted to be my allies, whether it's prospective customers or someone I wanted to raise money from or hire me, for example. And I think we really, as individuals, as professionals who are in the industry on the other side of this, who have been fortunate to break through, I think we have a responsibility now to not just, you know, throw the ladder down to help the next generation access, you know, same type of opportunity that we've been so fortunate to have accessed, but also to think about ways in which we can sort of change the game, like really break the system open from within. And so, yes, it's fine and well that business is 
a sort of career path where results really matter more so than anything else. I think that's more perception than it is reality in the following way, that in order to even have a chance to get at bat, to even swing at the ball, there is a certain set of circumstances in one's life that have to be true that often aren't. And it's something that we see here at SV Academy often, which is, for example, you know, individuals who are continuing to complete school and go through that journey, could be through community college or bachelor completion. It's taking them a while to get that credential that they believe they so badly need because at the same time they're taking these credits, they're also caretaking for their family or they are working a part-time job, in some cases a full-time job. In some cases, they're doing all of these things all at the same time. And then if they're able to sort of complete all of that, you know, and you could say a miraculous way, just given how much there is that needs to go right in that period of time, then they have to figure out how to open the door to access this opportunity, assuming that they even know what the opportunity is. And if they're lucky enough to know, then they're faced with this elitism that you touched on, which is if they don't have the right credentials on their resume, if they don't know the right people, if they haven't had the right work experience, then most likely they're going to be shut out. And they can send hundreds and hundreds of resumes out to hundreds and hundreds of companies, continue to get you know, rejected over and over and over again, often with no feedback. And ultimately, while this is happening, they're also continuing to go through life and do what they need to do to put food on the table. And ultimately, at some time, they may face that ageism, yet another prejudice, because they're a little older, they have a family now, and they've had this non-traditional career path that employers don't know how to make sense of. And it's hard to come up like the learning curve on technology or workflow or language, etc. And they remain underemployed. And this is a travesty. There are individuals who are graduating these sort of a traditional bachelor program every year, hundreds of thousands of people who are unemployed or underemployed for the first three or four years post-completion. And in a lot of cases, it continues all throughout their career and their life. And, you know, some of them could be incredible future sales leaders for you. It's just you're never going to know no matter how hard you work to find them because they may not even be applying to your companies. 100%. And, you know, there's kind of a very glib answer is like, oh, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, I mean, you know, hey, land of opportunity. You did it, Raheem. I mean, look exactly. at you. You did it in high school. But you really clearly articulate it's not that easy. It's not a soundbite on TV. You know what I mean? It's not a tweet. It's a very complex set of things that have to happen in order to be successful. So you saw this, you came out of this successful run that you had and, and you're with your co-founder and you're like, we've got to give something back here. So how did you take that and form the program that you have? Because I feel like you're trying to simplify and clarify this for people mm -hmm. so they have a shot in Silicon Valley. Right. 
Yeah. Right. So on one hand, my co-founder, who, by the way, his name is Joel Scott, he spent the bulk of his career ultimately as a chief operating officer at a large SaaS company that was acquired by HP. And I was over at Oracle. He and I, as we were sort of completing our earnout and our time post-acquisition began, you know, reflecting on what was happening in the in the presidential election and feeling quite disenchanted with what we were seeing and realized that we wanted to do something that felt like we were contributing to making the country a better place and creating more equality and what might be the best way to do that. And at the same time, we're saying to ourselves that as we reflected on the companies that we had built in the past, there were certain very sort of key tangible issues, particularly around talent and this sort of supply demand mismatch where we were constantly under pressure to grow, but could not find the right talent particularly in a competitive hiring market, because there just wasn't enough supply. And felt there was this over-indexing on coding. So there are a number of different alternative coding programs. Now the universities are doing them, or they're partnering with some innovative programs that are doing really great work and really sort of opened up our eyes to a model that combined both the training, very specific, granular, high quality job skill training that was aligned with the specific expectations that hiring managers had for their most you know, immediate and urgent roles, in this case, the SDR role, along with employability, so a trusted network of hiring employers that were actively hiring for individuals who might be certified with this skill set and offering it in a way where we could sort of lower the barriers to job seekers that were interested in really not just breaking into the tech industry, but but really transforming themselves through the process. And so we launched it in a tuition-free model. Cohort one started at the beginning of 2017. We have since run now 27, 28 cohorts. We've graduated, you know, 350, 400 uh, SDRs, partnered with about 188 SaaS companies, I think was the number I looked at today, starting in SF Bay Area. Yeah, it's been really cool. That's amazing. Yeah, the word of mouth has been like a pleasant surprise for us, where if we continue to focus on the quality, then hiring managers, we find, continue to both come back and tell their peers at other companies So there's this nice little network effect that we're seeing in the labor markets that we participate in. But ultimately, what gets us really excited is not sort of the social impact for the social impact sense, but really to tie that to performance and growth within the employers that we partner with so that we can create a real systems change here. And I think one of the failures of the traditional education system is that it's very clear that there is this sort of underperformance of outcomes by institutions who are graduating individuals through community college or traditional four-year in terms of the job outcomes and meeting the employer needs. And if we can really focus on this, starting with one role in one industry in a few labor markets and really sort of create the type of match where 
these graduates are going into these employers' sales organizations and outperforming, you know, two or three X anyone else that employer is hiring, then over time, we're going to create this real systems change. And I think about this as the future of education. What will it look like? In our world, we believe it will be driven a lot more by employers, where employers have a real seat at the table, like they do at SV Academy. They're participating in developing the curriculum. They are building the projects. They are doing the assessments. There are ways in which we are able to bring employers to the table to participate in the way this talent is getting shaped to ensure that that alignment between their needs is continually met. And if this model works, then you know, it can be then replicated across the industry, across different labor markets, across the world. And that's how we're going to create like the future. I mean, this is how we're going to uplift you know, tens of millions of, of people just in this country alone into a much better economic future and also create more resiliency and growth in our industries, starting with SaaS. Most people refer to VanillaSoft as the solution. It's the solution to ensure sales reps make the right number of attempts for every lead across all channels, including email, social, and the phone. It's the solution to serve the rep the next best lead every single time. You need to get your solution at VanillaSoft.com. I love it. I love it. And so you're thinking beyond the sales team at this point, or right now, are you really focused on you know, creating that bridge to the sales team and then at some point, other parts of the company, or is it just sales for now? We get very excited about this notion of human-centered skills and the value of human-centered skills in the future of work. So as there is more automation, we believe there will be disproportionate value for human-centered skills. Now, there are a lot of different ways in which those skills can be bundled and for that reason, I think we're constantly kind of playing this push and pull where we feel like we might get dragged into multiple directions and sort of lose our focus, which is something that's really top of mind for us. And we kind of come back to our North Star, which is that we're playing a long game. This is what we will build for the rest of our lives. It's going to be a, you know, a multi-generational pursuit to really create this change. And so we're playing the long game in order to do it, 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 it makes us very patient. And that patience is continuing to force us to focus on perfecting the methodology, starting with the SDR role, doing it really, really, really well over and over and over and over again. And we've done it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and we will continue to do it into the thousands and the tens of thousands. And as we go through that journey, I imagine there are some obvious places that we could extend the capabilities of our platform, the training, the assessment models, et cetera, the workflow integration, so that ultimately we can support a much larger population of jobs in the workforce. Amazing. That's awesome. So for now, perfecting it on is something that has so much potential in and of itself. Obviously, you're on the sales development podcast. So <laughs> that we're very bullish on. And you're talking thousands, tens of thousands. I mean, I've seen stats that there's hundreds of thousands of oh, yeah. sales development professionals and roles available. And it's really only taken off in the SaaS industry to some extent. So there's all these other industries that are still, you know, 
doing the model of a the rep handling everything and they haven't even broken off a SDR organization. So you feel like there's enough here for now for you to really focus on and pr- create a repeatable model. Without a doubt. Right now, I feel like we're in a privileged place where we have more business than we can handle. And part of the reason we raised the money at the beginning of the summer, we closed a, a Series A around $10 million with just phenomenal investors who really believe in the unfolding of this vision. We did that because we needed to grow and continue to get better as we grow. And it feels like there's no ceiling to the appetite from the market for, again, very high quality sales professionals. And the SDR role is this beautiful sort of launching pad for, you know, whether it's an AE role or customer success, 70% of our graduates end up getting promoted before or around the first year mark. And they're often being entrusted to to take on more responsibility in one of those two roles. And that's very inspiring for us because it sort of reminds us that the hard work we do on education and assessment isn't just about helping an organization prepare its SDRs, but it's helping an organization prepare its future sales leadership. Yeah. I mean, the whole company, they kind of get their foot in the door. They figure out that this is an amazing person. And next thing you know, They've got this different role. Now, tell me about, you know, working with the companies. I mean, like they're coming to you. They've got these roles. They need amazing people. You have this program. How does it benefit them, you know, to get involved with you guys? Well, we're typically working with companies who are in a high growth mode and are feeling firstly the tension around the speed to hire. And, you know, we often, you know, you've built so many sales organizations. I've done the same. Our starting point is to look at our network to begin with. And there is some, maybe some low hanging fruit there, but that sort of, you know, hits a ceiling pretty quickly. And then you look for other networks or outside help. And often we're finding we're competing in the same pools as everybody else for a very small number of qualified applicants. And so, so the first piece is really kind of like providing our employer partners with this burstable pipe that is on demand available throughout the year and a pipe that is been qualified in that you can sort of think about it like a three-month interview. Each one of these individuals in this pipe we provide have gone through a three-month interview. They have gone through a very regimented set of activities to both train and assess them to do the job on day one. And so we often find the speed to hire is much faster, you know, several times faster, if not more, by plugging into our pipelines. The second one is because of that emphasis on training, we continue to support those each hire for the first 12 months on the job. So combined with that ongoing support and the pre-training they have gone through, it's about pre-training is roughly 300 hours, and then we continue to provide the support post-hire. So all of that together then has a positive impact on ramp times. And you know we see sometimes that four to six weeks can be cut off from ramp time, and our grads are becoming productive faster. So their value is greater. Their contribution is greater. You know, that's the reason why 
so many of them end up then getting promoted into SMB AE roles or mid-market AE roles, customer success, et cetera. Last couple of pieces, they tend to churn less. I think a big part of that is what I mentioned. They've gone through so much vetting already and they continue to get that support. So when they hit a wall, more often they're able to break through it than the average. And then lastly is the piece I spent a bit of time talking about at the beginning around our personal journeys, which is that we believe diversity is power. And employers, they love the performance of our graduates and they sort of end up falling in love with the individuals because they like embody what we're looking for in a future sales leader. And a big part of that is the diversity of backgrounds that they're coming from, their ability to relate to different types of people when you are, in our case, 60% female, 40% African-American, Latinx, 70% low to middle income, you know, you have not likely had much in your life given to you. You've had to earn it. And oftentimes you have earned it both through hard work and building partnerships with other people. And that makes the diversity component of what we do, I think, very sticky to the employers that we work with. Wow. It's an amazing opportunity. I mean, and there's so many benefits. And so how does it work? I mean, I don't know how much detail you can get into, but it's like, do they actually come in and work for the company so they're hired directly or do they work for you and there's like a trial period? Well, first of all, the SV Academy experience is one that, on one hand, is free, so we don't charge tuition to the job seeker, the future SDR. On the other hand, it is very difficult to get through, and so not everybody makes it through. So when the employer is seeing, when they're interviewing a graduate of ours, they've already gone through a lot of vetting. And as I said earlier, it's sort of like a three-month interview. Like they have gone through a three-month interview. We have a tremendous amount of data, behavioral data and otherwise, around how these individuals have performed doing the types of activities that are part and parcel of doing this role very well once they are hired. So first part is they are incredibly vetted. We get a 1,000 applicants a week. A very small percentage of those are chosen to go through our fellowship. And then of the ones who are chosen, again, a smaller number of individuals actually make it all the way through. So I think that's a big leverage point for our model. And then the second piece is that after going through like this kind of Navy SEALs type of experience, they are vetted to a level where they are ready to go and hit the ground running on day one. And so our employers will typically run through their own interview loop or sometimes a conflated interview loop and issue an offer. And those individuals come and work for you full time. They're 100% bought in, 100% committed. They are there. They ought to be the first ones in the office and the last ones out. Those are our community guidelines and the values that we imbue. And the more graduates we have, I think the stronger the community becomes and and the greater the bar is held because it means something now to have graduated from SV Academy. And everyone wants to continue to make sure it it does mean something. 100%. So that's amazing. Okay. So, I mean, this 
program is unbelievable. And I just have been working with you guys for about a year. And we had one of your graduates speak at the conference, which oh, yeah. did an right. amazing job. I mean, she was very inspiring. By the way, the video is up on YouTube and anybody, you got to hear the story. Her story is phenomenal. I mean, you know, entering into this industry, you know, Raheem, like you said, I mean, it's no joke and the way that you guys have structured it. So I can't, I can't say enough. Go watch the video, get in touch with Raheem. <laughs> so one last question for you. Right now you're in San Francisco. Yeah. And you're talking about, I mean, there's, this is infinitely scalable because there's thousands, millions of people who they have to get these, you call them human-centered skills mm-hmm. or else they're going to be replaced by robots. Potential here is enormous. So what's next for you? You know, is it trenching in San Francisco and getting it down or are you going to take this, you know, expand this? Well, we've had a lot of requests from our Bay Area, SF Bay Area employers to expand into their East Coast sales office. And so we now operate in New York City as well. And the split's sort of 70-30 now in the last couple of quarters. So I think we've done a really good job in being deliberate in our expansion and at the same time demonstrating that, as you said, there are, you know, millions of high potential job seekers out there that are in or near these local labor markets who would jump at the chance of proving through the program that they are worthy of a spot on your team. And I think we'll continue to expand in this way. There are other local labor markets that we are mapping. And so I wouldn't be surprised if you see us in you know, a handful of places next year. But ultimately, you know, my biggest learning around building this business is that we have to continue to focus on the quality. And so that's what keeps you know, Joel and I and our whole leadership team up at night. How do we continue to grow in a way that maintains the level of quality that we're seeing and you know, put the money that we've raised to good use and invest in the right places and really lean on, on the right people in this community, including the support you know, that we get from the sales development community that you lead to do this in a big way over the long run and create real change. I love it. The focus on the quality because you can have the best marketing in the world, but if it's not a quality product or service, then you're just basically pumping money down down the the drain. But if you've got that high quality, then the marketing to some extent takes care of itself, you know, because your customers are so happy, right? They talk to each other. And that's it. I mean, if we all think about the products we have the deepest loyalty to, there is a level of repeatable quality that we experience and can depend and, and trust, which continues to make us coming back for more. And particularly in the space that we're in, we've seen some really great models for how to do this. And it's just, as you said, it's continuing to focus one foot in front of the other, focus on quality and real deep alignment with the employers that we're serving. And, you know, just continue to repeat the same thing over and over, get better and better and better. It's very iterative and we get a little bit better every single cohort, every single cohort. And pretty soon, you know, we'll have brought this all across the world. Amazing. I cannot wait to see it. I want to keep working with you guys. I'm excited that you're going out to New York because we're going to do the conference there in May. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, we definitely got to get you back in there. Raheem, this has been just a very, very enlightening conversation, I think, for anybody, whether you're a company staffing SDRs or you're in the sales development industry. Tons of great stuff to learn here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And how can we get in touch with you? So... 
on our website, sv.academy slash employers. That is one easy way to get in touch. You can find me specifically on Twitter at Raheem the Dream. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Very easy yes. to find and love to hear from people in the SV community. Definitely. Definitely. I love that handle. That's one of the best <laughs> ones out there. So thanks again from McDonald's to SV Academy all along the way. Dude, amazing, amazing story. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum, 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.